I'm your host, Thomas, data scientist, data engineer, and you're listening Let's Talk AI. On this podcast, we receive experts to talk about their experience, visions, challenges, with no fear to go into technical details. If you're looking to learn more about AI and related subjects, you're at the right place, so make yourself comfortable and enjoy. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite streaming platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also find more content on my LinkedIn newsletter. Welcome, everyone. Welcome in this new podcast of Let's Talk AI. Today, I have the honor to be with Ku Pinchun. Hi, Ku. How are you doing? Hey, hi, Thomas. Hi, hi everyone. Uh, I'm good today. <laughs> Although <laughs> even, even though it's evening here in uh, Singapore. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is uh, the morning for me here. I'm in Madrid based. Uh, I'm very happy to have you on the podcast. I would like to maybe start with a, a little introduction. Uh, mm. Could you describe yourself in a few words? Well, uh, describe myself in a few words. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to because, uh, okay, so, so I'm here in Singapore. I'm an instructor, consultant, mentor, uh, and also startup advisor to quite a few uh, startups over here. So um, the main area that I'm involved in is uh, data, data science, and uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, so hopefully very few words. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, to, to dive a little bit, um, so I would like in this episode to talk about a lot of things with you, such yeah. as uh, data science, you've built a, a, a um, tech community, you're helping so many people out. Uh, so I was really looking forward uh, for this episode and I, I want to learn a, a lot from you. And, and I guess that uh, the people listening are also looking forward to this. Mm. Maybe just to catch up with the present moment, I would like to ask you, what are you trying to achieve at the moment? What are your goals in the present? My goal at the present is um, I want to get more people interested in data science and artificial intelligence. Uh, when I say interested, of course, there are different levels of uh, interest as well. Like for instance, maybe understand what the technology is. So that's mm -hmm. one. Second thing is also seeing it as a possible Uh, career as well but having said that my main goal is not to get everyone interested in AI and data science as a career <laughs> but rather to have a better understanding of what data science is what mm. uh, artificial intelligence is because uh, out there there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding and a lot of myths uh, and all this and and I felt that uh, it's sort of a bit impeding on the growth of the industry mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so if everyone has a very good understanding of what data science is or what artificial intelligence is, then mm. I think the industry can grow uh, much better and flourish as well. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it makes sense. Mm. And, and more than ever with all, for example, all the new models of, uh, of um, OpenAI, like ChatGPT, and now that everyone is talking more and more about AI, I feel like it's super important to, to define everything because it can be very misinterpreted. Uh, yes. Maybe just doing a fun actuality uh, mm. question. What mm. do you think about what's going on regarding, uh, for example, the new models of OpenAI that really broadcast the potential of AI and like it can improve so many fields, like for example, the education field. Today, before we were looking at poor BI's video on YouTube or mm. like coding video on YouTube, but now we can just chat with ChatGPT asking for some things and concepts and go learning and coding and yeah. we don't even need tutorials anymore so so this is kind of biased by my point of view but mm. how do you feel about all of that well I, i okay i think one of the biggest concern right now especially uh if you're someone from google right uh will be whether ChatGPT is going to replace google in the first place Uh, and I get that kind of question a lot also from my friends and also from other people before this podcast. So I was discussing with them and all this. Um, my opinion is I don't think ChatGPT will replace Google, at least not in the immediate form right now that, that it is. I, I try not to chat GPT. I, I kind of like the fact that it's um, very close to human kind of conversation. Uh, not not saying that it's very uh not, not saying that that's bad and all this, uh. But having said that, I think Google has certain advantages. Reason being is like for instance, I think all of us right, we have tried to, uh, use Google search for quite quite 
numerous time actually uh, for our learning purposes and all this. So at least Google will is in a position to have learned about our habits, our habits, our uh, tendency, our intuition of when we type certain words, right? What are we really looking for? Like for instance, maybe let's say for me, right? Uh, if I type in uh, Apple, let's say I type in Apple on Google search, right? Google will have already known that cool is someone with, uh, that is involved in technology and all these, right? So likely case is Google then will say that, oh, when you type in Apple, I'm going to give you Apple products or, or, or some description on Apple products. Whereas let's say, for instance, maybe uh, if uh, a non-technology friend of mine, right, type in Apple on Google, right, Google is going to say, no, this guy hasn't been looking at technology for so much and all this. Right? So likely case is maybe he or she is looking for some health benefits of Apple. Yeah, so I think that 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 will put Google to a certain advantage already, given the fact that most of us have used Google for search. Um, so that's one. Second thing is also, since ChatGPT is like a human, you're, you're talking to a human, right? Uh, I'm not saying that humans tend to lie, but uh, there's a chance that we will mix in with our own opinion when we chat with someone we'll, chat, uh, we'll, we'll mix in with our own opinion our own emotions and our own experience and background with certain things right before we uh, talk to someone and, and, and such so if you look at it right chat gpt you're talking to a human so you don't know whether whatever that is expressed and all this right could be the truth could be a fact could be a truth could be a opinion and then that's where um it may not be that great compared to google search uh that's what i feel that's the difference between uh the two but however i'm quite excited by chat reason being is that i think chat has a very good potential to become a, a research assistant a research assistant a teaching assistant uh for people like me right who is involved with education and training so i'm quite excited about it uh, but as of now i i will say my conclusion or opinion of it is I don't think the tool, uh, I don't think ChatGPT will replace Google so soon. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot for your point of view. I, I really appreciate and I'm and I'm very aligned with, with what you mentioned. And regarding ChatGPT being a great assistant, I, I'm, I, I agree yeah. so much with that because just for example, yesterday, um, I was um, I was doing a Flask application and I was working on a few things and a few mm. concepts. Mm. And instead of like doing me a course on Link on Udemy about and like finding what I'm looking for at the moment, mm. um, I was just chatting with ChatGPT and I mm. was understanding the concepts of how it what it was working and I was asking him specific questions to to keep learning and yeah. in the two hour session. I've learned like if I was with a professor, you know, so yeah. that's, uh, that's awesome. Yep. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for this little, um, news, uh, actual, like actuality part. I would really like to ask you about, um, the tech communities that you've built, mm. uh, and, and your past career. So first of all, can you tell us a bit about uh, this tech community that you've okay. built and the sure. insights of building it? Sure. Um, so my first tech community is, uh, this software company called SAS. Uh, so it's called the SAS user group. So that's, that was the first community that I tried to build. Um, unfortunately, of course, uh, it failed. Um, we didn't have enough members and all this. So, but that actually helps to build the foundation for my next, uh, tech community that I'm building. I'm still building right now. It's called data science, uh, SG stands for Data Science Singapore. So we started Data Science Singapore with a few with a few of my friends um, in 2014. Yeah, in 2014, early 2014 actually. Um, so that's the first tech community we built. Uh, we have gained quite a fair bit of success. Uh, we are now almost running uh, one meetup, one meetup every month. Uh, and we have a lot of all the big companies who are working with us. Uh, we have like uh, AWS, we have uh, Google. Uh, sometimes we also, over here we have uh, like, um, I think it's uh, Dyson. Uh, so I think next meetup, mm. we are going to have actually have uh, Dyson to 
share with us. Uh, ho- however, things may change, so you don't know. But we are at a point where it's self-sustaining. Really, we have people who will approach us and say that, hey, we would like to speak to your uh, tech community and all this. So, so I'm very happy with, with what uh, we have built to uh, so far. So that's the one of the current tech community that I'm running. Um, the other tech community that I'm running right now is called AI Professionals uh, Association. So this mm-hmm. one is a formal body, uh, unlike uh, Data Science SG. So for that, we are building tools uh, for AI engineers and AI scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of tools, right? Uh, what we are looking for is to build tools to help make uh, AI more effective, efficient, mm-hmm. and more importantly, ethically, uh, be able to use AI ethically as well. So we are developing, I'll put it in quotes, products uh, mm-hmm. to help our AI scientists, our AI professionals right, to be able to uh, deploy AI uh, through that through, through that three E's lah, the the effectiveness, the efficiency, efficient, and also and uh, ethically as well. Yeah. So that's the second one. So that one just started recently. Um. So the first product that we came up with, uh, is called the Chartered AI Engineer. It's called the Chartered AI Engineer. So it's a professional qualification. Um. Why we have that is um. When I was running Data Science SG, we noticed uh, two things, uh, two groups of people. Uh, they mm-hmm. have challenges. So what are the challenges? Like, for instance, let's talk about the talents, uh, the individual talents. So individual talents, uh, most of them, they are quite new to the space as well. They are not quite new to the space of artificial intelligence. So they don't know like what are the kind of skills that's needed, uh, that's needed for commercial projects deployment. For mm-hmm. So what happened is then they ask, they always ask me this question, cool, I do not know whether I'm adequately equipped with the skills and knowledge to start in the AI job, uh, to start, start in the AI job. Mm-hmm. So I get that kind of questions uh, a lot. And, they, and another thing is because they were saying also, now out there, there are so many uh, causes, right? There are so mm-hmm. many causes and all this. So it's very difficult to choose which are the causes that is relevant to building up the skill set. Uh, to, to, to build up the skill set, right? So what we did was we said, hey, okay, to help all of you, right? So this is what we'll do. We'll publish the skills framework. So the skills framework is actually found on the on the AI Professionals Association website. Um, so with that skills framework published also, right, what, what happened is we are also helping the other side of the equation, which is the employers. Mm-hmm. So employers also have this question. They are wondering like, hey, so I have employees asking me, I say, hey, cool, you know, like data science and artificial intelligence are very new. Uh, but, and we want to do deployment. We, want, we do want to, we do see there are use cases to deploy it as a project and all this. But we do not know whether the person we're going to hire has the skills and knowledge uh, to do that mm-hmm. kind of deployment. So with that in mind, right, then this is where I said, hey, now, now we have this skills framework. So all you have to do is just look at this skills framework, right? And then you'll be able to uh, find the right people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell them, I said, there's a bonus here. What's the bonus? The bonus is that why not you sign sign a, a, a collaboration agreement with us, with AI Professionals Association. And uh, once, whenever we run this uh, intake, right? Whenever you run this test and intake and all this, right? Once you have people who are qualified already, we send them to you. Lah. We send them to you so that you can hire them uh, you can look at them, then you hire them, and you can quickly uh, assess their soft skills instead. Mm-hmm. No, so one of the one of the current challenges right now is an engineer, right? When he or she applied to all the different jobs, mm-hmm. each each company that he or she applied to has a technical test. Mm-hmm. Can imagine the frustration, or you go for so many technical tests, but you're only gonna be hired for only just one one company. Hmm. Yeah, so so what so we saw that as hey, why not we do it this way? La? You just come and sit for my technical test, you pass, you get your uh skills and all this qualified already. Uh, then we give you the title of chartered AI engineer, and then you can mm-hmm. use that title to go and tell other people, hey, we are already qualified. We have these skills that is qualified by a professional association. Uh, 
then they can then apply for the jobs. And then employer look at it and say, yeah, okay, since you're qualified already, we know that you have this skill set, which is published mm. on, on the website. Uh, then they can then they can do the hiring and then focus more on the soft skills, on mm. the culture fit and the, the soft skills. Yeah. Okay. So you have now two, two tech communities, right? You have yes. the AI professionals, yeah. uh, where it is very, like you, you've built a technical test. Mm. Um, do you take into account a soft skills too, or your test is only technical and then you send the candidates to? Uh, so we have three profiles that we do the test on. Okay. Um, so the one, one of the profiles is solely focused on technical skills. But the other two profiles, we do have some components of uh, soft skills as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think some of the audience may be starting to think, hey, how do we then access the soft skills and all this, right? So how we do that is we do it through interviews. Uh, and we don't have a single assessor to do the interview. Rather, we have we try to have a minimum two assessors, but ideally three assessors right, to do the interviews and make the assessment on the soft skills instead. Uh, mm. And our assessors are existing practitioners or hiring mm -hmm. managers, so they know what kind of skills, what kind of soft skills mm. is needed. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. That's super interesting. Yep. Like for the people who are listening, um, we'll also uh, ask. Uh, I will also ask uh, different questions on like how to improve, how to how to grow a career in data science, where data science is going, mm. uh, machine learning engineers, data engineers. So, so this is uh, the kind of question uh, I, I want to, to ask you um, and many more. One hour is not enough, but uh, we'll try, to, <laughs> we'll try to, to do it. Okay, so now I understand better the two communities. Oh, just to, to, to finish on, on the communities uh, and pursue on the data science part and some questions that I have for you. Um, you told me when we did the first call that you were trying podcast, a podcast and a YouTube channel. Huh. Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Uh, so I'm I'm a believer in collecting unique experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a believer in collecting unique experiences. So what's unique experiences? Unique experiences means yes. that I become a podcast. <laughs> I become a podcaster because most people will be uh, in, in my current position. That means as a guest of a podcast. Uh, but I thought that, hey, I like to be able to uh, gain some unique experience. So why not I start my own podcast channel together with a co-host of mine? Mm -hmm. uh, and that also allows me to have a more control on what I can learn from my guests as well. Like so that I can mm -hmm. ask the questions and all this. I, I I'm pretty sure you 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 understand that. Yeah. So yes. I I can I can sit on on that that control position right, and then say ask the questions that I, hey I like to learn from this guest. Uh. What, What's his experience like? For instance, just as you were mentioning about learning from uh, building a community, which is very unique and all this. So uh, that's for podcasting. Then for YouTube, uh, yeah, same thing as well. It's more like for my own learning experience as well. I like to understand how to build up a YouTube channel. What, what does it take to build up a YouTube channel? Uh, I can safely say for now, it really takes a lot of effort <laughs> to try to come up with a to come up with the content and also to do a very nice content and all this. Uh, unfortunately, um, because the time requirement it takes up for now, um, I can't put up too much content. So I probably only have, if I remember correctly, about maybe five or six uh, videos mm. right now. Uh, and I hope that as time goes by, I have more time to really put in some uh, good content to share with uh, the audiences uh, of mine, especially the subscribers. Uh. Awesome. And what is the channel, the YouTube channel about? Uh, YouTube, channel, uh, YouTube channel is actually called Building Intelligence Together. Okay. Uh, Building Intelligence Together. So I'm actually trying to share what I mean by Building Intelligence Together, right? So first thing, of course, is since I'm in the space of artificial intelligence. So I'm going to share a bit more like how do we build artificial intelligence. So that's why Build Intelligence Together. Mm. Uh, second thing is also I like to grow together with my audience. So again, building intelligence together with the audience. Uh, mm. So it's building artificial intelligence together with the audience. It's also building knowledge and intelligence with the audience as well. So I, 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 that's why the YouTube channel is called Building Intelligence Together. Yeah. 
Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm also, uh, I really, uh, I really relate uh, to what you're saying, like you're, you're going for challenges and trying new things. Um, and uh, well, I would be very interested for everyone that is listening to, to tell us to, 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 to check, to give, a, to give a look to your things. Thank you. I, I recently started doing coding, um, <laughs> like doing live, for example, and oh. This is something that I really want to push forward, like the, the live experience mm. with experts like you, for example. Like, for example, I open a notebook or a Flask application or whatever, mm. and, and we just sit around one hour and a half and we build something. Mm. Mm. Or we just, maybe we can also do like this typical uh, tech interview exams and like we solve it with a guest or me alone. Mm. But like there are th so many interesting things to do in life uh, yeah. that I will be experimenting on that on uh, 2023. I will also ask you later on uh, what are your goals for 2023. But uh, yeah. um, but uh, for now uh, and for the people who are listening, mm. uh, I would like to ask you a bit more about data science mm. and what a data scientist means in 2023 okay. and how it is going to grow. Okay. Um... So data science, I would say, I think currently right now, uh, a lot of that's, that's a lot of all this talk about auto ML, mm. uh, and then auto ML is going to replace, uh, data scientists. I think that's a lot, that's a lot of talk and all this. And then, so, so I get questions from people who say, Hey, cool with the, with the auto ML and all this, does it mean that as a data scientist, I myself will, will, will get replaced, uh, with automation and all this, um, I like to reassure the audience, at least from my perspective, uh, from my opinion and perspective, I don't mm -hmm. think that's the case. Mm -hmm. uh, how I look at data science or data scientists, right? At the end of the day, a data scientist value comes from providing solutions, possible and feasible solutions through mm -hmm. data or supported by data. Um, so what we really do, what a data scientist really do is to look at the, look at the data apply some mathematics uh, modeling or algorithms or functions and all these, right? And then be able to churn out maybe solutions, insights, uh, and all these. I think the part about churning insights and solution is where the most value comes from, mm -hmm. not the application of the mathematical model, uh, not the application of a mathematical model. So I feel that Auto ML actually helps the data scientist to be able to provide more value rather than replacing the data scientist. Uh, because at the end of the day, what I share with most people, right? A data scientist is like a surgeon. Uh, data scientist is like a surgeon. So like a surgeon, right? So, so surgeon go to medical schools. Then they learn all the like medicine, the surgical procedures, the surgical tools and all this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, similarly, a data scientist probably will have either go to a bootcamp or degree program or self-learn, learn out all the different tools and all this. Mm -hmm. But our value doesn't come from learning a lot of tools. Uh, a data scientist value comes from being able to put all these tools together and at the end of the day, generate something of value, which could mm. be a insight or solution. Mm. Uh, so... I would say that even from 2023 onwards, right, for a data scientist or anyone who is interested to be a data scientist, to always focus on providing value to your employer, to the person who's giving you a salary. Uh, the more mm. value you provide, the likely chance that you can increase your salary. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Yeah, I'll put it this way. Uh, so I would say going forward, Regardless, right, I think the never dying principle as a data scientist is always focus on providing value. Uh, don't mm. worry about auto ML. I think auto mm. ML is just a, a, a good, another, just another tool for a data scientist to be able to provide value. Yeah. Mm. Uh. Yeah, that's super interesting. Mm. And I, I really feel like nowadays the data engineers, the data scientists, the machine learning engineer, mm. all of those roles can be combined into one role mm. when someone will be more expert on one thing maybe 
but mm. being able to understand the overall process and yeah. like move it and mm. build new projects new yeah. tools that adds value um mm. i i understand uh, i think data science data science itself huh? data science itself is a team sport Mm. Uh, you because the the things that you need to learn uh, let's say if you really want to understand the whole the whole chain of things right from from data collection all the way to to business implementation there's so many things to learn though right yes yes yeah and let's not even talk about let's if you just look at data engineering alone right you have to think about what are the kind of tech stack to put together how do you build the pipeline and then the mm. way that you build the pipelines and all this is also not so straightforward because it really depends on the use cases that you're looking at. Is your use cases, is it a streaming use case or is it exactly. a static data use case and all this, right? So, just, so that's the data engineering part. Then the data scientist part also have to think about what kind of like formulas, maths formulas, how do we use the data to, to generate the insights, the, the decisions and all this. Then after that, once you have that kind of thought ready, you move on to MLE, the machine learning engineer. Machine learning engineer have to deal with all the different tech stacks. This, I think just now like you were mentioning, there's Flask, right? There's Flask, there's Kubernetes, there's also all these containers that we have to think about how to put them together to be mm. able to deploy the, mach the machine learning models or the mathematical models and all this. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, 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 I would say that I think going forward, data science, data science will just become more and more of a team sport. Mm. And I also do agree with you that it's good that the three parties for now, actually in fact, four parties are not three parties, the, the data engineer, the data scientist. In fact, I'll even have another one, which is data analyst, data mm. scientist, data analyst, uh, then machine learning engineer, and also the business stakeholders, these five groups of people mm. will have to learn how to come together and work together. Mm. Uh, so in fact, I would say all five of them have to be able to talk the different languages mm -hmm. uh, and also learn how to be a team player. Mm. Uh. So that's super interesting. I really like how you, you put together these five and, and you and you summarize uh, these roles. Um, perfect. Yeah. Okay, I want to ask you something uh, about you because we're talking about careers that are scientists. Mm. Um, how do you overcome challenges? And maybe you have a you have an example from from your from your ex experience and career. How do you overcome challenges? Um, this is a very large question. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I think first thing first is don't lose confidence. Uh, don't lose confidence. Uh, and also be able to know what are your resources for overcoming challenges as well. I think that's the that's the most important. Mm. Um. Like, so like for me, right, uh, if, for most people who follow my LinkedIn posts and all this, uh, I do share like how do you overcome some of these challenges. Like for, uh, so one of the things that I strongly advocate, right, is find a relevant mentor. Mm. Uh, someone who, read, who may have seen the, who may have gone through the challenge before and was able to overcome it. I think getting a good mentor mm. is a very good step to do. To, to take on, uh, to go through a challenge. Um, Google also, Google or DuckDuckGo or search engines, I'll put it in general. Also, if you, if you are able to put in the right keywords, right, you should mm. be able to find some solutions online as well because mm. there are people who will blog about the solutions. People mm. will blog about the kind of challenges that they face and then how do they overcome uh, the challenges as well. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, resources... There are a lot of resources out there la, for you to overcome any of the challenges. I, mm -hmm. It's more a matter of where to look for the resources. Mm. And at the end of the day, what I will say is stay humble. Stay humble, stay open-minded. Uh, don't, don't come in with too many assumptions. Mm -hmm. uh, don't come in with too, any, too many assumptions. Uh, as they always say, try to think out of the box. Uh, but I, I always will add add on to that and that is before you even want to start thinking about out of the box right the first thing is you have to define the box first mm. if you don't define the box then how do you know whether you're out of the box or not <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's so even that's mm. even analogy and and so you you were you wanted to to make a conclusion or do you want did you wanted to add something else yeah so so i would say at the end of the day stay humble 
uh, stay humble, be open-minded, uh, always ask yourself what kind of assumptions you're making. Uh-huh. Uh, and then after that, look for the resources. Uh, mm. Really, I think everyone face the same challenges. Mm. Uh, or at least you will find someone out there who has really faced the same challenges and mm. may have really put up the solution. Mm. Yeah, so look for them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. And you mentioned mentoring. You mentioned finding a mentor. Mm. This is a topic for, for, for young people or even people more advanced in their careers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is always a, an interesting process and I would be very interesting to hear you about mm. how do you find a good mentor and how do you reach out and how do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. How do you do it? Uh, okay, mentor, uh, I, I, I can tell you very good mentors are usually very busy people. <laughs> they, have, they, they, really, they, they really have a, 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 a lot of work uh, a lot of things to look out for to 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 be working on, uh, but you know that this this is a mark of success. That means these are the mentors you want to look for because they already have they already on 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 the way so to speak. Uh, uh, so what I would say is, if you are looking for a good mentor, right? First thing first is, uh, check out the LinkedIn profile if that's a possibility. Check out the LinkedIn profile, look at the experience, look at the background, and ask yourself: Is this someone you want to learn from? So answer that question first. Uh, once you answer that question, the answer is yes. Then the next thing is uh, try to ask around. If you can, try to ask around. So what do you mean by ask around? Like for instance, maybe if you know that this particular mentor often goes and speak. Go and talk to people who has listened to the mentor speak or has interaction with the mentor. Mm. And then try to find out a bit more about the mentor. Uh, mm. When I say try to find out a bit more about a mentor, try to understand the characteristics, uh, the the character of the, the, the mentor as well. Now, why mm. is that so? Is You have to also find a good mentor that is easy to get along with. I I mean, there are certain characters that's, that's collect, character clash, but yes. there are certain people who can, can get along very well with each other, right? Mm. So you want to find a, a mentor that, that you can get along with Mm. Uh, that's one. Um, second thing is also the mentor is willing to share. Mm. Uh, you you need to find a mentor that's willing to share with you as well. Um, so so first question always ask yourself the experience and background. Uh, after after that try to find character uh, find about the character whether that's a good character fit, and whether the uh, mentor is willing to share, uh, and all. So once you have that ready, right? Then the next thing is you need to approach. Then you need to approach the mentor already. Lah. But having said that, right, um, when you approach a mentor, you also have to ask yourself what's your value, what's your value proposition? Mm-hmm. What kind of value mm-hmm. can you provide the mentor as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that the mentor are very uh pragmatic people who are always looking for benefits and all this, but you also have to ask yourself, hey, the mentor is going to spend time with you, right? If the mentor is going to spend time with you, you have to be able to provide something back uh to the mentor as well. Mm. So ask yourself the, then the question you have to ask yourself is what can you provide back to the mentor? That's, uh, that's something that mm, can for for a lot of people can be hard because uh, a lot of the times we don't think of something that we can really add because they mm. they seem to have everything that we would like to reach, not mm. necessarily like speaking materially like not speaking yeah. about things, but more about yeah. like knowledge and achievements and, yeah. and reaching goals and, mm. and all these mindset that they've developed. But what, what, what could one give mm. to a mentor that is valuable to them? Yeah. You, okay. So, so in, in, in that, when thinking about what you can offer to the mentor and all this, right. My suggestion is don't think too much about, I need to get it correct at the start. Mm-hmm. What you can do is ask yourself what can you offer first, and then in the first sort of discussion with the with the possible mentor, right, when seeking to be mentored by the by by him or her, mm-hmm. you put it on the table and say that hey, this is what I can do. Uh, this is what I can do for you, uh, in exchange for your mentorship and all this. Uh, mm. then let the mentor discuss with you like, and say that, hey, or maybe I'm not looking for this, uh, I'm looking for something else instead. Will you mm-hmm. be interested to help uh, help me with this and, and all mm-hmm. this? I can, I, I can simply tell you people who are keen to do mentoring and all this, right? they are very nice people and you can discuss. Uh, you can discuss and all this. And sometimes they don't even require that from you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they may just say that, hey, okay, I tell you what, I can do the mentoring for you, no, no issues at all. Mm-hmm. But what from you, I will need from you is, can you maybe do a quick review on my mentorship or you can do a, a, a quick review uh, on LinkedIn, uh, put up a review on, on, on me and all this during the mentorship, what's the, what's the mentorship experience like and all this. So, so yeah, you don't, have, you don't have to try and get it correct at the start, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but put something on the table at least. Because once yes. you have something on the table, you show some sincerity. Uh, you show some sincerity that you want to work together with the mentor. Uh, mm. uh, so after you have offered that already, and let's say the mentorship goes through, that means you start the mentorship uh, sessions and all this, right? I think very one very, very important thing that a lot of all these mentees need to remember is respect their time. Don't go to the mentorship session unprepared. Always prepare yourself, prepare the questions that you like to ask. And also uh, share what what are the thought process that you have already gone through before you ask those questions. So the mentor at least will know that, oh, okay, if I were to help you, I need to understand what, what you have taught before and all this, right? Before I can, sh- mm-hmm. I can share mm-hmm. more resources with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something very, very important. Uh, yeah, that's super interesting. I feel like for me personally, and, and I would be really interested for the people listening to, to give some feedback on this, but uh, it is really some things that, ha- that I, I didn't have clearly in mind. And like the fact of putting something in the table, uh, I mean, the valuing the time is, uh, yeah, is super important. Uh, but putting something on the table is, is super insightful. And like trying to find a way to work with someone, as you mentioned, good mentors um, may be quite busy. So finding a way to help them out so that then they can spend time with you. This is super insightful and I will definitely do it. (laughs) So thank you very much. Um, So now that we're kind of in the framework of uh, like data science, growing a career out of it, I would like to ask you about how does a data scientist, data scientist improve and, and gain skills? I would maybe like to learn more about this framework that you have for like someone that wants to grow a career. Uh, as you mentioned a bit earlier, grow the salary with, uh, with it too. Uh, but, uh, and also maybe like how to choose the formations uh, that a data scientist is going to do to, to gain in skills because there are so many formations. Yeah. I, that's a very good question or like how I would say at the end of the day, a data scientist is like wine. Okay. The more experience we have. So, so for a wine, right? The, the more valuable a wine gets is through the years, right? Through the years. Mm. So similarly, I, I would say uh, a data scientist, uh, how valuable a data scientist is, right? Is by the amount of, project he or she has worked on uh, the more the more project he or she has worked on right i would say the more valuable he or she mm. is uh, for the experience and the skills and all this now why why do i say that is because again going back to the point about data scientist is a solution provider through data uh, there are many many different problems out there uh, mm-hmm. Yes, we can say that at the end of the day, all these problems are maybe uh, NLP or computer vision or tabular data and all these. At the end of the day, you can, you can still group them under these three. But all these projects that you have, right, are unique. All the projects, all the data projects, I can simply say are unique. Why unique? It's because they have different data challenges. They will have different data uh, business challenges. Mm. Uh, because... It depends on which industry pillar you're in, right? It depends on which industry pillar you're in. And then it also depends on the company you're in because the company's revenue model or business model will drive how you solve the problems as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in order to be able to be versatile as a Mm -hmm. solution provider, you need to be able to expose to different tools and solutions. And how do you be how do you get exposed to different tools and solutions, right? It's through working on projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when when you keep on working, the more projects you work on, right, 
you will accumulate the knowledge of hey, this 2A, right? 2A is very good for this kind of situation. 2A is very bad for that kind of situation and all this. So this, this kind of knowledge base will help you in the next project. Mm -hmm. uh, and the more knowledge you build, right? You can, you can, you can sort of visualize it, right? The more knowledge you build, right? The knowledge that you have will expand as it goes along. Uh, and this expanded knowledge base, right? Will then really help you a lot more tremendously in the next in the next project yeah hmm. so i will say at the end of the day how to improve as a data scientist is try to work as on as many projects as possible and try to have a variety of projects that you're working on as well mm -hmm. so not necessarily just only do tabular data mm -hmm. or set uh maybe you can do some projects on nlp have work on some projects on computer vision Mm -hmm. uh, work on some projects or maybe uh, IoT sensors data and all this and then that will help you help to expand your horizon further yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's super insightful yep. and as for deciding for like formations courses um, mm -hmm. so you would you would recommend more to like try to do things mm -hmm. than really enroll in some classes or would you also recommend for data scientists to, to go to some courses like Udemy courses, Datacomp, mm -hmm. or all of that. Okay, so that, that, that's a that's a that's a good question. Uh, and as I go along, as I go along in this in my own career journey as well, right? Uh, I think everyone has very different learning styles. Mm. Uh, everyone has a very different learning style. Some some people like it to be structured. Uh, some people like it to be a bit more haphazard. So when I mm. say haphazard, means that Maybe they want to do their own self-learning. And as they do their own self-learning, right, they bump into walls or they found they found something interesting uh, mm. and all this. So um, but you can't run away from the fact that you need to learn. You need to actually at least learn. So let's let's maybe use an example here. You need to at least know how I don't know whether your audience still remember these two called Hadoop. <laughs> but yeah. you need to at least know how Hadoop works. Uh, then you'll be able to to determine. Uh, whether Hadoop is, is is suitable for a certain situation or not. Mm. So mm -hmm. how you learn about Hadoop, right, could be maybe through YouTube videos, right, through YouTube videos or through re reading other people's blog. Or you could have learned Hadoop through a structured course, right? So at the end of the day, you need, so, so it really depends on your needs, uh, mm -hmm. on your learning needs, on your learning style and all this, right? Then you go for mm. uh, the, 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 the style that you're mm -hmm. looking for. So I won't say I won't say causes are bad. Uh, I won't say causes are bad. Uh, but I will say find something that suits your learning style. However, mm. let's say if you're looking for causes, uh, you you have to be very mindful here because if you go to a course to learn technical skills, right? Mm -hmm. Technical skills are easily available online. Mm. Uh, technical skills are easily available online. So you are paying for what? You're, you are paying for curation. You're paying for someone to curate the materials. That the materials presented to you in the course, right, are the mm -hmm. essential already. Mm. Uh, are the essential, are the, are the truth. So I put it in quotes, are the truth. Uh, mm. So then you have to be able to know how to select the right causes then. Uh, mm. So... For most people, then you for most people then you will have this kind of question, right? They will say that, hey, cool. You say that we need to be able to know whether the content is correct or not. But hmm. that's the reason why we are going for the course, right? Because we want to understand the content and all this. So how do we know whether content is good or bad or whatever? Mm -hmm. uh, my suggestion to that is this: take the outline, take the course outline, look for a practitioner. Get get a few practitioners. I actually look for a few practitioners. Share the outline with them and ask for their opinion, whether this is a good course to go for or not. Hmm. Uh, and then take into account their opinions first, right, before you sign up for any courses. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, so that's one. Um, the other thing is also, I think a course value adds, right, through the instructor also. Hmm. So, so, yeah, so, uh, so just before this podcast, I, I did a post on LinkedIn, right? So one of my friends was asking me, how do I select a how do I select the causes? So uh, what I suggested are two points. Look for the instructor. Look for courses where they publish their instructor background experience. 
mm-hmm. if the instructor background and experience is something that you feel that yeah i think he or she has the right background and experience to to teach mm-hmm. then go for it mm. uh, then go for it because you don't want an instructor right that reads from the slides and then that's about it already yeah. then if the instructor mm-hmm. going to read from the slide then why bother to pay so much money for the course right mm-hmm. yeah so that's one second thing is also ask the opinions of the past participants mm-hmm. uh, ask, oh, ask opinions about past participants whether hey so now you have went for this particular course already right do you find it relevant for your work so which are the content that you find it relevant to your work and all this so you then you have a better idea uh, mm-hmm. whether this course is suitable for you or not mm-hmm. uh, so to summarize the whole thing i would say is learn through a style that suits you it could be causes it could be self-learning and let's say if you're going for causes then look out for the instructor background experience and also share the outline with uh, different practitioners mm-hmm. and also have a chat with past participants uh, i think mm-hmm. that will help in selecting the, the right causes for you yeah mm. That's super interesting. And I feel like courses are might be better when someone is quite new with the concepts of the field. Mm, mm. But once someone's understand, like you mentioned, Hadoop and how does it work and Hive and Spark yeah. and every component that it has, SDFS, mm. Yarn, yeah. uh, Zookeeper. Zookeeper. I keep going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So slowly, you, 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 you see that you get a lot of keywords, huh? You get a lot exactly. of Exactly. Yes. And uh. all of these are tools that every tool could be speaked about during a lot of time. And on YouTube, Harvard Harvard classes are available online on, on technologies, on coding. So uh, I really I really take your point on everything is out there in the internet and courses just will take the truth. And I think courses might be good at some point to understand the concepts when we don't have enough concepts to go and try things out and yeah. and try to build something and yeah. so yeah i feel and then what what i also really liked what you mentioned about uh knowing yourself and how what is your most efficient learning method yeah. that was super insightful um great awesome um so i think i would really like now to ask you about ethic because you mentioned ethic before, like you mentioned building the, the three E and one of the E is ethic. Yeah. What is your point of view uh, of ethic in mm. the AI field? Um, personally, I'm not a big fan of the term AI ethics in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, when, we, when the term came out, right, AI ethics came out, it was very focused on making machines ethical. But I, I always hold this point. I always have this point to discuss, right? And say that if you, you, you say you want to make a machine ethical, doesn't mean that does that mean that we also have a solution to make humans ethical in the first place? Mm. But we all know that's not the case, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know it, we all know that it's to to say someone is ethical is also quite challenging as well. Uh, quite challenging to, to determine that. So I think I'm more a big fan of this term called AI, uh, AI professionals ethics. That means getting mm. getting professionals who are in the AI industry, right, to be to think more ethically, to mm. think about the impact that we create through our work. Mm. I think that is the most important. I mean, let, let me give let me give other examples here, lah. Like for instance, uh, I don't maybe the audience do not remember, but if if the audience still remember in the two thousands, uh, there was accounting frauds. There was accounting fraud. So the the two biggest company, uh, that committed accounting fraud was Tyco and Enron. I don't know whether still any any one of your member uh audience still remember that. So what what happened there? The accountants were not behaving ethically. They didn't think. Uh, I would say they probably didn't think about the impact that that they have created through their accounting work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one. That's one example. Then let's bring something a bit more recent, which is during the financial crisis, the two thousand eight financial crisis. Mm-hmm. We all know what happened. The bankers didn't behave ethically again. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were very focused on selling investment products. Yes. To a point where 
the investment product even doesn't make sense uh, to be part of a portfolio, but mm-hmm. it, it still went through, right? It still went through. So to, to these two, right, I would, and looking at these two, I would say that, yeah, I think what we should be focusing on is AI professionals' ethics. How mm-hmm. do we make uh, AI professionals more uh, think about the impact that we are creating? And actually, it's not so straightforward. It's not so easy as well. Uh, why, why, why is that the case, right? Because if you, if you just look at ethics alone, right, there are many different types of ethics. No? Uh, uh, I was looking at this book, uh, Ethics for Dummies. <laughs> wow, when I look at it, there are like seven to, seven, I think seven or eight different types of ethics out there. No? Mm-hmm. Who is to say one is better than the other? I don't think we want to go into that kind of debate also. Like, we say that maybe uh we say that what ethics school school ethics uh school A or ethics right is better than school B or ethics. I don't think we want to go into that kind of debate. It's very mm-hmm. difficult. It's very difficult and very challenging. But what we can do is we get the professionals right to focus and think about the impact of work of their work. I think that should mm-hmm. be something we should focus on. So how do we do that, right? How do we do that? Personally, I feel we need to build a knowledge base. Mm-hmm. We need to build a, preferably an international level knowledge base. What I mean by that would be at the international level, right? All those failed use, failed use cases of AI or, case, or cases of AI used badly, uh, they should be found in this knowledge base. So all, all of us who are working in the AI field, right? can always refer back to this knowledge base to look, look out for examples uh, and then bring these examples right back to our work and then help us to think a bit better on creating the AI that we, we desire and not creating mm. an AI that will do neg- that will make a negative impact. Yeah. Mm. I think that's, that mm. should be something we should be looking at. Uh. Mm. So like, um, so like kind of building an historical historical background of uh, things yeah. that have been achieved yeah. and using reinforcement learning on the professionals. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like you, can, you can see <laughs> reinforcement learning on the, on the professionals and all this. Lah. Yeah, as for how to do the reinforcement learning, setting up the environment and all this, I think that's another topic to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> another episode, another podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Well, last, uh, last question of the podcast before um, me asking you a few uh, following up questions uh, sure. just to close uh, this episode mm. um i would have i would really like to have your point of view of the field of ai and mm. where it's going in the future like the evolution mm. um the jobs the market do you mm. have some insight and a point of view on that point personally i'm i'm a big fan of ai uh i'm pre- I, i'm still very excited by it uh, even though I think right now we don't see a lot of uh, breakthrough, I would say. So some, some I, I think some of the audience may say that, cool, are you sure there's no breakthrough? You look at ChatGPT and all this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, use case, I will say, yes, there may be more bigger breakthrough. Uh, but in terms of algorithms, I don't think so. Because mm-hmm. I think right now we are very focusing on foundational models. So foundation models means those large large models that has a lot of nodes and all this. Um, now, I hold a different opinion to some of the titans of the industry, which is like maybe Joshua Benjo, Geoffrey Hinton, and Jan LeCun and all this. Right? Uh, I don't think neural network is the final model to build yeah. artificial general intelligence. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that is the case. I mean, we can discuss about the architecture and all this. Uh. I mean, there may be different architecture uh, but personally, I feel regardless of how you tune the architecture and all this, I don't think it is the final. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the final model to build artificial mm-hmm. general intelligence. But having said that, artificial general intelligence, I think it's just only one, one uh, area of artificial intelligence. Uh, let's say, but if you, if you look at artificial intelligence as a career, then I will, I will say I'm quite confident about it. Uh, I'm quite confident that if you are interested about artificial intelligence and you want to build a career from it, right? I can I can simply say you should have a career in the next 
few decades. Mm. Uh, why is that so, right? Is because if you look at the current state of artificial intelligence right now, mm-hmm. we have built it to a point of what I call smarter automation. We, we, we have built artificial intelligence to a point that is a, a smarter automation as compared to previous automation that we probably have seen. And with that in mind, right, almost all industry, I would say, almost all industry will definitely need automation to a certain extent. Hmm. So, which means that it's a lot of green fuel right now to apply the current state of artificial intelligence. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of green fuel, there's a lot of opportunities uh, for that. So since there are a lot of opportunities, means that anyone who wants to be wants to use do AI as a career, I can simply say there's a lot of opportunity. Now, however, I, I'm pretty sure most people say that, cool, are you sure that's the case or not? Especially on the background of all this tech, tech layoff and all these, right? Uh, I kind of feel optimistic about the tech layoff. It sounds a bit ironic, but I'm quite optimistic about it because it, from a longer run perspective, I think the industry will benefit a lot. The professionals will benefit a lot. How so, right? is because those people who are hired by the big tech firms, right? They are now distributed since they are let go already, right? Since, since they are laid off, right? They are now going into a different kind of companies, mm-hmm. different kind of companies. It could be startups. It could be small, medium enterprises, which previously they have trouble trying to hire. Mm-hmm. They have trouble trying to hire. So, but now they are able to hire. And now since they're able to hire, they're now able to also learn more about AI. Mm. They're able to learn more about data science. Mm. And with that, right, will come more use cases. Mm. And more use cases means what? Higher demand for the skills. Mm. Uh, Higher demand for the skills. So if you ask me, I'm optimistic in the longer run, right? This tech layoff actually will increase and improve the demand for tech people mm-hmm. uh, from, a long, from a longer term perspective. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this answer. Yeah, I, I really agreed in terms of like evolutions of algorithms. If I come back to your first point mm. in terms of evolution algorithm and all of that, I think we might see some breakthrough uh, now with quantum computing and mm. the fact that we need to uh, rebuild all the machine learning um, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I want to become very ease with the concept. I just know that so far, uh, it's like binary. The computers are either a zero or a one and quantum mm. computing allow you to be both at the same time. Yeah. This is, this is my, my basic fundamentals, but I would like to have your, po- your point of view on that. And mm. just regarding your second point, uh, I recorded the podcast with uh, Ricardo Michel Reyes. Mm. Um, I think when this episode uh, will be out, uh, the, the podcast will be available. Mm. And it have been in the... So who is Ricardo? He's um, chief scientist officer of Eridit, uh, a startup, mm. um, a very good startup that use NLP to mm. measure how the people feel in, in a company. Mm. And like having real, real... KPIs of oh. how do they how do they feel and not okay. only by doing surveys because no one answered correctly the survey so they have really pushed it and it's super interesting and we talked about all those uh, topics about like global um, how the world like ethics mm. uh, when jobs are being automized how how do we make it ethical and how don't we increase how do we make sure that we will not increase the inequality between some countries that are getting more and more advanced and some mm. countries that are um, that are suffering those gap through? So we, we talk about that with uh, Ricardo and it has been super wow. insightful. I would like to have your perspective on the quantum computing and maybe could it be a breakthrough for you? And um, yeah, I would like to have your point of view. I'm quite excited about quantum computing because... I also believe I also strongly believe that with quantum computing, once it becomes more commercialized, mm-hmm. uh, currently right now it's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult to get quantum computing into a small chip. Uh, yeah. so that that's what's happening right now. But once we are able to tap onto quantum computing, 
I'm pretty sure it's it's the same impact to cybersecurity as well. So cybersecurity space, right, they already have already said once computing once quantum computing comes to the picture, right, the whole RSA algorithm is gone. Which is what we're what we're using. So I think it's a similar thing to uh AI as well. Uh, so why why that is the case is because assuming that is correct, uh, quantum computing does computation does computation faster than the classical computing. That's mm. that's that's the assumption that we we we, we are building on. Um, so if that happens with more computation power, generally we can make the computers calculate faster. So calculate faster means that it can then if we look from a from maybe let's say uh from a chess, international chess perspective, right? That means it can calculate a few more uh steps forward. Uh, so a, a few more steps forward will definitely make help help to make better decisions, uh, put it this way. Yeah. So I'm quite excited by it. Uh by quantum computing. And I do think that quantum computing will 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 do a very big fundamental change to uh AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm hoping actually in fact I'm looking out for for papers right on quantum machine learning. Mm. I'm looking out for papers for on, on that. So if the audiences uh can share with me, please feel free to share with me if you found out anything about quantum machine learning. Because currently right now I think our machine learning algorithms are, are, are more suitable for classical computing. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I looking forward to quantum lab quantum machine learning is instead? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. I've learned so much. I have two little questions for us, uh, for you to answer just sure. before uh, uh, we, we finish this episode. But let me tell you that it has been super inspiring talking to you. And I really appreciate all the subjects we discussed. Let us know. Uh, let us know in the comments um, uh, or on the on the socials. Um, how do you feel about this episode? And did you enjoy it? Which part was your favorite part? We would really like to get back uh, on you uh, on these topics and it would help also for next episodes. Um, so I will go straight forward to the question uh, mm. for the people who are listening and want to know more about you on LinkedIn, on your courses, on your framework that you have with your tech community. Mm. Um, what are everything that you have and how can people reach out? Okay, so reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I sort of distribute my content. So look, uh, look out for me on LinkedIn. Uh, just go to LinkedIn, search right, uh, mm-hmm. type my full name, K-O-O space P-I-N-G space S-H-U-N-G. Uh, so, uh, so far, that name is unique. I haven't found someone that has the same name. <laughs> so if you, so, so the first search should be me. Uh, the first search should be me. So uh, if, for those people who want to uh, link up with me, and have a good discussion on uh, AI and all this, uh, yeah, feel free to look for me on uh, LinkedIn. And um, if you're interested, also you can look for my podcast uh, called Symbolic Connection, mm-hmm. uh, which I do it with my co-host. Um, and on YouTube, right, um, the YouTube channel is called Building Intelligence Together. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, really to select the one that has a lot more engagement, right, look for me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll put all the links in the description of the podcast and everywhere so that uh, people can access to all of your platforms and where you're active so that they can learn more about you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) So last question, and I thank you again for coming on the episode. Do you have a message that you want to share with the audience uh, Mm. and about AI in general? It can be a personal message. I think the the message is this, uh, keep learning. Keep learning about AI because I think the field of AI, data science, and all these they are still they are still growing. So keep learning. Uh, be open minded, but also be critical. Uh, when I say critical, means that even for anything that I say during this episode, please think about it also. Please think about it whether you agree with me, don't agree with me, and if you don't agree with me, why is that the case and all this. Uh, I think going forward, regardless of which career you're in, which job you're in, I think critical thinking is is is, is going to be very very important. I, we're talking about this age of this misinformation age and all this, right? So, 
critical thinking is important. So please always think critically on what people are sharing with you. Uh, so that, that I think would be the final message I was I would say, although there are other messages, but I think this is something I think quite useful regardless of whether you're in the AI space or not. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you a lot for your time, Q. Thank uh, you. And I look forward to speak with you. Thank so. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas, for having Bye. me. <laughs> Congrats. You've made it to the end. I hope you had a great time and that you learned a few things. To learn more about AI, you can subscribe to my newsletter or check the blog. And to support the podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. You can also share it with two friends, colleagues or family members that might be interested. I wish you to have a wonderful day. Bye.